This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. We are nearly at the end of the summer. Kids are back in school. My kids went back to school two weeks ago, uh, August 3rd. Uh, I just want to wish everybody, I guess, back to school time. Parents are getting some breaks out there and and, and uh, getting back into the flow. But what I want to share with you today, and this is going to be a two-part this is called, I'm going to title it right now. I'm going to give you the title right now. This is called Real Men, Real Talk. And this is a, a live recording we did uh, in a men's support group. And we are really supporting and pushing our men's support groups. And our men's support groups are on Thursdays. So go to fathermatters.org to get information and, and everything about that. Thursday nights is our men's support group. It's really, really powerful right now. And this one we've had. We recorded, got my friend Jay Harden. If you guys remember, Jay did some recordings at the Father Matters Show. Go back to blogtalkradio.com or soundcloud.com for some archive shows. But I want you to hear the hearts of men because there's no women in these groups and there's no, you know, this is how men really talk and share when we come together. So I'm going to, I'm just going to stop my talk. We're going to cue this up and I'm going to come at the end of this show. And again, this is called Real Men, Real Talk. And Gil, let's go ahead and roll that. I guess I might as well get into it. The relationship we started was not even of one of heterosexual. She was a lesbian. I'm heterosexual. She was just curious, and so was I. Um, I became a good friend to her. She became a good friend to me, and that's how we started. And all of a sudden, she just wanted to know. So, and. Uh, she said her love grew very fond, and and uh, her love grew so strong that she changed her mind. She'd rather live the rest of her life with me, but that was after the fact that she decided on her own to get pregnant. And that was documented, third parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also told me that she could never get pregnant. She was fixed. That's why she became lesbian. Da, da, da. I mean, there's just all kinds of stories I was hearing from mm-hmm. her. Um, being that she personally came up to me and last time I saw her it brings joy to me when I see other families having their child in their arms and they allow me to carry their child it brings me back to the day I first had my my child she was just almost uh that old, I think she was maybe f- three, maybe four months, and I just knew she was very alert to her surroundings, and just for the hell of it, I took her to the zoo, San Francisco Zoo, and she got so excited, kicking her legs and jumping up and down. It was hard to hold her, you know, 
I knew how excited she was getting. So I spent the whole day doing that with her, just going from one animal to another and, you know, around the zoo and enjoying the balloons and, you know, the sights and the scenery and the other kids. So she's really a part of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the last time you saw her was when? Uh, it was just towards the end of May, almost June, so it was just before, actually before that. Like what, six months I had made, or a yeah, year? Had, or no, 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 no. Um, just before that, at the day I spent at the zoo, she told me, I don't know if I can handle this. I want the whole package. It's family or nothing at all. I said, excuse me, what do you what do you mean? This was after we spent the whole day. Went back home and I, and I spent almost every single day even going through school. Got off school, went to go see my child. You know, take, making sure she was okay, the mother, just so I can have my daughter in my arms, feed her, whatever. Just, it was a joy. And she said, I just can't handle this. Okay. This, was, this is your this is back ex, to the zoo. Yeah. Ex spouse ex, ex, saying ex, she can't handle it because she wants the whole package, package meaning you too? You as a family, me, her uh -huh. as a family. Uh -huh. And uh, she goes, just give me some time. I said, uh, I said, what do you mean time? What do you mean by time? She goes, give me a week, two weeks, get it over this, and then call me. I said, look, I understand. Anything for my daughter, as long as you don't take her away from me. So I waited two weeks. The phone number didn't work. I checked her place of where she was living. She was gone. Called her sister, called everybody. Nobody knew anywhere where she might have been. I went. This went on for almost a year, and uh, I went to a, a social event, and all of a sudden she was there, and she got my friends and family involved, making me to look like this psycho that I didn't care that you know he disowned his her own son, her daughter, and didn't want to talk to him. But that wasn't true, and this whole time everyone was thinking that I was this deadbeat father, and it wasn't until five, six months later that. Again, she took off, and, and I didn't know where she was. That uh, somebody that she was living with was finally realizing she was just nothing but lies, and you know. And that person came to me to help me out and so told me what, where she was living. What's I, what's the current status with it? Oh, now? Yeah. <clears throat> at this point, your child is how old? Uh, the my first is seven, uh -huh. and the youngest is four today. Uh-huh. And when, when did you last see them? Uh, four months ago, three uh -huh. months ago. And what was that like? That was another, the same feeling, having to go through this another uh, like a third time. She's done this twice already. So you, you saw them several months ago, and then she takes off, and you can't get access to them again. Right. At, and what are your legal rights at this point in terms of the court or court orders? Um, at this time where, when she takes, you know, she told me I could never come by. She threatened me to uh, call the right. 911 right. and, and give false information about me, right. which I never wanted that to happen. Right. So um, when I gone to see my attorney last week, he said, no, she can't do that. Just go there with an officer. You have all the rights whatsoever. She can't falsify anything right. from there on. As long as you have an officer and witnesses with you or you right. can take a camera. I said, there's nothing illegal about that. He said, take a camera every time you go visit and pick up your child. Period. There's nothing that she can say about that. Right. So, um, so you're planning to do this soon in the near future? No? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. What's the smile? Just 
I, it's, it's a great feeling knowing that I can just go there and not have to stress and worry about being uh, arrested for false information. Right, you know? right. What kind of false information? Uh, she's take, she's, she falsified information before saying that I threatened, to, threatened her life and my children with a shotgun, that he just took off and you know threw the shotgun around the corner. I mean, all this bad stuff she can think of. Anything to destroy my reputation. And the funny thing was, is if this was all true, why wasn't there ever a report ever made? So it's just thought of her telling me this, that she would do this. It's a scary feeling. So I would never want to go through that or see my children see me arrested and go through this. Right. So right. that's why I never bothered to right. go to. And I didn't yeah. know my rights. I didn't know that I could just go there yeah. with a police officer yeah. and take my children. One of the, the things I guess you asked me, how, what's the connections do I make with that, um, yeah. is the, you know, the amount of terror and the, the, what I call hyper-vulnerability that you're dealing with. It's this sense of being hyper-vulnerable in such a vulnerable state in which you, you, you're totally powerless right. and you're totally empathetic. Exactly. And exactly. in that place, you don't know what to act or what to do or what to say or whatever else. Right. And this is a common kind of place to be. And these women who play these kind of destructive uh, dynamic games know how to do that and know how to strike that kind of terror. And going through this twice before, my daughters, or my daughter, first daughter, had witnessed and seen this crying in between us, and I would not raise my hand, or never have raised my hand to her, or, uh, right. you know, never said any bad words around yeah. her or anything. I never yeah. said anything, even to the mom. Yeah, one of the common would push, things I see in buttons. both of these situations, in a lot of situations, is the requirement, and you probably see this too, to have someone on the outside, preferably a quote-unquote expert, because that's all the court will recognize, that somehow involved that can begin to document and corroborate along with you that you are a normal person, you're, you have a natural interest in your child, it doesn't mean you're perverted, it doesn't mean you're a homicidal maniac, uh, that you just have a normal interest in the fact that you have a child and you want a relationship with this child. So someone on the outside to begin to corroborate that so that when you are at court, you've got someone to support that. Because these things tend to go on and on and on and on. And I don't say that in a discouraging way. I say that from the perspective of you have to get the right set and look at like, okay, it might take five, it might take ten times at court. But eventually, you're going to get what you want. You're going to be able to have the right that you have to your daughter. But it's going to be in the long haul, and it's, going to, it may, it's probably going to take a number of gestures like that. I was told uh, that if, if it's an infant and you take them to court, you would probably get about four hours a week of visitation. And in my case, I've been able to get more than that. So I'm looking at it's better if I, if I don't go to court because I'm getting more time. Not necessarily, court. because what you're dealing with is the fact, and this always happens, it always involves the issue of scheduling, and it almost always involves the female controlling and having the power relative to that schedule. So she runs the schedule, she runs when the child's available and when you do what you do. The, the downside to your situation is the fact that 
um, she's dangling the carrot, and she's able to be in control of that time. See? Whereas if you've got the court determining whatever period of time it is, you have that that she doesn't have power over. If you have someone else who's then supporting that, saying, well, when he is with the baby, this is what he's like, this is the kind of person he is, and you can expand upon that. The, the seduction and the temptation is to want to go along with getting something or, you know, if I, if I appease, then, you know, I might get something rather than nothing. And there's always this kind of element because there's this hope that on the other side of that is some decent human being. And it's very difficult to see the level of destructiveness that goes on in these kinds of relationships. And you've, you've got to not be tempted and seduced into the notion of, well, okay, this time, if I just do it one more time, okay, now she's going to come around and she's going to do this or she's going to do that. Another thing, too, that was so uh, stressful going, just preparing for court was you have to take your own life apart completely under a microscope, talk to the people you talk to, doctors, lawyers, whoever, socialize with, have them write you documentation of how you act with children, your children, their children. It, it was very stressful. I, I was too scared to even walk out the door because I was afraid if I did something wrong that they would take my kids away. But that's what the courts want to you, for you pretty much to, to show them that you are a good father and there's nothing bad about you. But that's how I won my case against you know the mom and I got joint custody. Uh, just too bad at that time I was going to school full time I couldn't take full custody as I was offered mm -hmm. by the judge so mm -hmm. so at this point you're, you're, you have every other weekend? every other weekend and every other Thursdays uh -huh. but you haven't seen him for four months? I haven't seen him for four months and you are currently paying child support? yes, yes. so where are the checks going? Uh, to the county mm. <clears throat> I pay them personally Okay, to the county, and then the county I pay pays her. County and the county pays her. Why didn't you never pay her direct? Because um, I've done that before. There was no receipts, and there was no written documentation, and she never admitted to the courts that. So you I were giving her cash? Is that what you're saying? Was giving cash and checks, but there was no proof of that. Well, your checks are your are checks receipts, is the proof, but I had no checks after that. It was after a certain period of time that passed that I was going to school. I never kept Okay, I understand what you're saying. <clears throat> you know, so. now, now we know situations here, and I appreciate what you guys are sharing, but now I'm ready to take it to another level, and I want to get to the root issue of some things. And um, I had a question earlier, and, and I love the fact that Dr. Gill was able to still stretch that out, and my question was the relationship. How do we end up in some of these type of relationships that become so dysfunctional, that become so like, wow, who is this person? What is going on in our hearts when, when we getting the, get into these type of relationships? Um, what do you know about her before the intimacy even started? You said she was a friend. And, you know, what kind of friend? How did that happen? Because... We really got to understand, you were saying that she at one point was a lesbian. Yeah, she referred to me, yes. Understand. Um, I don't know how to start this. Um, 
a good friend and person I can believe and trust in at that time. Uh, it was my second year into the university. She was a professor. A professor that I took a course from and helped a lot of students in the same situ situation I was in, trying to change their life, better their life. Um, writing skills, being articulate, verbally expressing yourself, I mean, public speaking. These are things that you know, within the group that I had formed we were all working on it. Um, entering into the college, I didn't have these skills. I was too afraid to be out and you know, talking to anybody. So I started developing, and she would help students do this. And she, for some particular reason, she would focus on me personally and spend most of her time to where she had me going to her house, and I was the only one. I didn't understand that. This is the mother of your children? Yes. So she was your professor? Yes, my Okay, professor. okay. And that's the way I understood it. My professor, she's helping me out. She understands that my goal and my dream is to better myself and succeed in society as I looked at it. I didn't feel that I was, you know, worth anything. So I wanted to go back to school and better myself because I didn't have that drive or ambition to complete even high school at the time. So I decided to go back to school myself, and that's how our relationship started. It's, it's, it's not to take it to this point, but I'm trying to make my point clear. And Dr. Gill, Jay, um, comment on this if I don't say it right. But it's almost, it, to me personally, it almost sounds like a pedophile who saw his or her prey and eased and oozed them into friendship. Almost what I mean, like... When you see a pedophile, who do they, uh, are they most attracted to? They are attracted to children who are not covered by their parents. They are attracted to people who knows that the father is not in the life or the, or the <clears throat> mom is not in the life. Or if they're all in the same home, it's so dysfunctional. They know how to look for that right child. Like, Jay has two beautiful children. There's no way a pedophile could get to Jay's children because the way his children carry themselves, they carry themselves in a way like my mother and my mommy and daddy not only in, are in my life, but they are involved in my life. So that pedophile will look to the child down the street who say, wait a minute, that child goes home a lot by him or herself. That child plays by him or herself. And so to bring it into an adult type of situation, it's kind of like she plucks you from the crowd and knew how to say, hey, help me find my cat. I lost my cat. Hey, I have some candy. Would you like some candy? Hey, I have such and such type of videos. Would you like to come over to my home and watch those type yeah. of videos? And that's the vulnerability that I was talking, talking about. about. So there's, that's the predator and the over-vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, I think predator is a better word than pedophile probably. Mm -hmm. um, or is it the same? Well, the dynamics would be the same. It's, it's predation. It's... Feasting off someone's vulnerability. Yes. Because I'm thinking if there's a big age difference between you guys. Is there a big age difference? Mm, 10, 15, five, 20 Five, six years she's older. Oh, okay, see, because that's... When he said professor, we automatically think older, but there's some pretty young professors sure. out there. And, so. and at the same time, Jay, piggybacking off what I was saying, um, I don't want to lose track. It's, it's almost to the point where, where did she learn that from? How did she know how to pluck Lewis? out of all that. Now, when it goes back to when you say she was once a lesbian, 
let's go deeper. I'm not sure if once or if she continues to. Or is, to, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know. The bottom line is, my thing is, how was she plucked as a young child to become that lesbian? What in her life happened to her? Are you understanding what yes. I'm saying? Yes, I understand. Because we can sit here and say my wife, my ex-girlfriend, or ex-wife won't let me see the children, and she took the house, and we did this. We could talk solutions all night long, but I find in a lot of groups and doing these workshops and men's groups, we never really want to deal or touch on the root issue. Hey men, Father Matters is introducing a new kind of support group that focuses on the challenges of fatherhood. Thursday nights, 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is our time to discuss any issues or concerns we have about parenting children of all ages. For more information, log on to fathermatters.org. Each session will focus on a specific aspect of parenting and the groups are structured in a way that lets everyone share. For more information about this father support group, visit fathermatters.org. That's fathermatters.org. Are you in need of family law legal services? Contact fathermatters.org. Our purpose is to provide free legal assistance services to fathers and their families. Remember, you have the right to see your children and no parent can take that right away from you. Being responsible financially for your children is required by law, but even parents without financial means have the right to see their children. Don't let a legal matter stop you from being an excellent and involved parent. For more information about free family law legal services, log on to fathermatters.org. That's fathermatters.org. And we're back. You were listening to a live recording at one of our men's support groups. We had Dr. Gill, that's G, not Dr. Phil, but Dr. Gill, who was one of our special guests there. And, uh, of course, you heard Jay and myself. This is why we're going to do a two-week on this. If you've been listening to the Father Matters Show, you know I'll always have guests. And every once in a while, I'll do something like this. And I just want everybody out there to hear and know that men are going through stuff. Men open up. We are real. We do become real with each other. But it's very important that we provide a safe place for men to open up. You know, and when we said Lewis, Lewis is not his real name. You know, we change names around. But, you know, for the guys to allow us to bring the microphones in and, and, and open up, um, I just wanted to bring a little bit of what goes on at our Father Matter support group to you, the listeners. And for men to know when we come, man, we get real. We get raw. So, you know, again, go to fathermatters.org. Uh, go to our calendar. Every Thursday night is our support group. And we also have a man talk workshop coming up in October. So go to fathermatters.org. Get this information. Like us on Facebook. Tune in to Facebook. Uh, uh, let people know about this show and let people know about this particular show that we are calling it Real Men, Real Talk. So tune in next week. Because we're going to do a part two. We're going to keep it going. And this is something that we're not going to do all the time. But I wanted to open it up to you. And I just wanted to uh, let you know that there are real men out there going through things. And we are sharing. So for uh, anything that you need to know that what we're doing and how we're reaching out, this is it. You, you, you've heard someone opening up his heart. And so 
I really want you to know that there is support and help out there. Okay. So thank you for listening to the Father Matters show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless. Thank you.